So I, I'm going to uh, lightly apologize this morning because I don't, I don't really have a message for you guys. This really just feels like a prophetic word for the church here. So is that okay with you guys? Yeah. That's great because I don't have anything else. <laughs> uh, I mean, we could talk about it like Leviticus or something if we want to. Um, so for those of you who haven't been at the conference, we... Um, We've been talking a bit about God's goodness, about how God wants to have a relationship with us, which is which are you know topics that are familiar, but really exploring the the degree to which God is inviting us into a real relationship with Him. That He is uh, first of all, let's all just stare at April and my beautiful baby daughter, <laughs> Sybil. <laughs> I know it's hard not to. Um. <laughs> so um, there's a couple jokes I decided to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> in case you're wondering what the hesitation was. Um, so we were just talking about, again, God's goodness, how much he wants us to know him, how much he wants us to connect with him, how, how, how available he's made himself to us through the blood of Jesus. Um, we also talked about the, the following night about how um, part of that intimacy is having a, a conversation life with God that includes him correcting us and how that is something that's not meant to be scary, not meant to be like, oh, I'm in trouble, not meant to, you know, please come in front of the class and show everyone the note that you were reading or wh whatever else. <laughs> that, that, that is actually the, the loving presence of a father in our life guiding us toward the best things that he has for us. Does that, does that make sense? So we talked some about that. Um, and so today, I feel like the Lord is highlighting um, some of those things that he's leading us towards. Some of those things that out of this relationship, you know, I've, um, <laughs> you know, when you, uh, I've been part of Bethel for a long time now, three years at the school in, in Reading and 11 years in, in, in Atlanta. And, you know, a lot of people have different opinions about Bethel, which is always exciting to read online, especially. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's things I didn't know about that we do there <laughs> that, you know, it's always great to hear about, you know, from people who've never been there. Um, but... <laughs> But, you know, one of the, sorry, little dick, but anyway, um, the, uh, one, one of the things that, that I used to actually think about Bethel before I went there, and I would hear, hear other people say, is like, oh, it's just a bless me church, you know, it's just a, just a get here and bless me, bless me, bless me, and let me take this blessing shower, and then just go home and feel so blessed, which, you know, on one side, like, that sounds really nice, um, <laughs> on, on <laughs> yeah, that sounds great, actually. Let's do that. Now, um, what, what I realized bothered people about that idea and what I realized was untrue about that once I got there is that I would definitely agree that Bethel is a bless me, you know, fill me kind of place. But it's not just for the sake of being blessed, although God wants to just bless us because he loves us. It's because he's leading us to something. It's because he's equipping us to be a blessing that we would not be able to be if we did not receive something from him. You know, I, I just talked about this briefly uh, last time, but I talked about God's correction and how I, you know, again, shared an experience that I had with my own children and this realization that when I'm able to receive correction from God, I'm able to give them a better father than I could give on my own. And I'm able to be a better father than I could be on my own. And this is true for the entire world. The world gets a better person. Your family gets a better person. The, 
the, the, again, the world at large gets a better person. And so I want to I wanna tie this into something I've talked about in, in the past before. And so if you guys haven't heard this story, this will be an abbreviated version, so I'm sorry about that. But um, one of the things that I've seen in the Spirit relatively commonly as I've traveled around um, the world, I, I started seeing this when I was in, in Reading and in Atlanta and other places, but I started seeing what the Lord uh, called these wells of revival, these wells of revival that were in different areas around the world. Now, when I, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with, with the, some of the staff but, um, and, and leaders, but the, uh, when I say the word revival, I'm not just talking about like, I guess everyone's in a tent and people are laying hands on people and they're falling over. Um, I'm talking about the presence of God of bringing life to every area of society, whatever that looks like, wherever that is. Um, that he's reviving, he's, he's bringing to life every, everything in every area of life. Um, and so when I've traveled these different places, I've uh, seen these wells of revival. The first time I saw one was in a vision that I had where um, an angel was showing me one that was underneath Atlanta. It was just this picture of the potential of the intention that God had for the area. And when I would come to these different places in recent years, I would see um, this same uh, revival. It looks like this crystalline blue water that was kind of bubbling up from the surface. And it reminded me of the early days of, of um, oil, oil, when people were going, going after oil, that there were some places even in the United States where oil was so plentiful that it was literally bubbling up from the ground. Um, anyone who's watched the Beverly Hillbillies knows all about that. Um, <laughs> And that, that's actually something that would happen at certain places. It would just bubble up out of the ground because it was so plentiful underneath. Um, and, uh, and so as I've seen these, these things in different places, one of the things that's been on my mind is, you know, how do we access that? How do we access the potential that the Lord has placed in an area, in a region? And so I want to share something that I feel connects with that. Does that sound good? Um, if you would, you don't need to turn here, but just, just mark this down for, for further reading. I, this is just kind of the scripture that I want in, to be the backdrop, to be, the, um, to be what's going on in the background of your mind as I, as I share this story. Um, again, this is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It's Romans 8. Um, we're just going to start with 18, uh, verse 18. But I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. In fact, the next verse says, We, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. One of the key scriptures there that I want you in the back of, having your back in the mind is verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Um, so uh, this is a story that's uh, a relatively recent experience that I've had, and I've actually not shared it with anyone, including April. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here we go. <laughs> um, and it's all about her. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. 
<laughs> she was in the house. Um, I, and, and I only feel released to share part of this story, so I do apologize for that. But um, So I was, um, I was out front in front of my house playing with my kids. We have this kind of long driveway at the backyard, and we you know, throw balls around and spray each other with a hose or whatever else is around. And so we're just all out there um, playing around, and there's a little bit of a pause in me being involved in the game while the kids were you know, just doing, playing around with each other. So I was just, again, just standing there. It was a, gosh, it must have been a Friday or Saturday afternoon, um, which are the days that we have off um, for, for the church in Atlanta. And so um, I was just standing there, and all of a sudden I looked up and I saw the Lord standing in front of me. And he was 25 feet tall, and behind him were these stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of drawers, what looked like metal or stone drawers. I couldn't tell at first because the sun was kind of right behind where, where he was standing. And these drawers were all different sizes. Some of them were really small. Some of them were really big. And they looked kind of, um, I guess the right word for it is they looked like they were gilded, like they were like decorated. You know, they had like, you know, like, some of them had like gold, some of them looked like they were made out of marble, some of them, you know, they looked all these things, and they were stacked so high and in so many rows that it really reached up to the sky. In fact, it even, for, for um, this vision that I was having, it blocked out the sun, and the sun was only coming through in rows in between these things. <coughs> I wasn't really expecting this at this exact moment, and so I just stood there for a moment, and I said, what's that? And I heard the Lord say, it's a graveyard. I thought, okay. <laughs> and again, it's rows and rows and stacks and stacks. And I said, what's, what's it a graveyard for? And I heard him say, it's a graveyard for dreams. I thought, okay. It's a weird thing to have in my small suburban neighborhood. Um, <laughs> just south of Atlanta, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, it's not my job to choose where God keeps his things, um, <laughs> so, um, and so I'm, I'm looking at these, and I can see that some of them, like I said, are gilded and are beautiful and are ornate and look like the front of them is made out of marble and and just looks so beautiful. And some of them are just kind of dull and gray and look like, you know, a, a, a file cabinet that you get at Sears for discount. You know, it's just kind of that gray, uh, the, the, the most boring gray they could find, you know, to paint <laughs> the front of this, this drawer. I said, this is strange. And then suddenly, as I, as I realized just how many of these drawers there were, a question popped in my mind. I looked at the Lord and I said, whose dreams are these? And he said, they're mine. Wow. His. God's. He said, this is every dream that I have for every person on this earth. And then I said, why is this here? Why, is, why would that be here? And he said, it's everywhere. It covers the entire earth from one end to the other. There's no place that I haven't dreamed about. 
There's no person that I haven't dreamed about. There's no moment that I haven't dreamed about. There's no area of society that I have not dreamed about and planned for and prepared for and dreamt into. And I said, what are the, one, what are the drawers that were gilded? And honestly, my first thought was like, the gilded ones look kind of like an old like mausoleum, you know, if you've ever seen one of those before. Um, it's like, you know, the, the, like an old kind of graveyard, you know, but it's like the one where the, the, the stacks and stacks on the walls and all, all that, and kind of like that marble sort of thing. I said, what are the gilded ones? And he said, those are the dreams that came true. And I said, what are the gray ones? What are the dead-looking looking ones? And he said, those are the ones that didn't. And I said, what's inside? And he opened one of the gilded ones. And I know this is a little bit strange. This might be a bit of a stretch. So if it is, you can come yell at me afterwards. But he opened um, one of the beautiful ones. And there was a person inside. And, you know, again, it looked like you would see someone at an open casket funeral kind of thing, like in nice clothes and doing that or whatever, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't look very long because that was awkward. Um, and um, again, I can't go into detail about this part, but he talked to me a little bit about that person. And, and then he opened another one that was gilded and there was a person in that one. He opened one of the dead ones and it was just kind of old paperwork is what it looked like. I noticed that every dream that had come true, every dream that had been fulfilled, there was a person inside. I asked him why that was and he said, every single one of my dreams has to be carried by one of my children to come true. And I looked around and I realized that, you know, again, I, I was looking at this very small section of what was apparently this very, very large thing. But honestly, as I looked at this thing, there seemed like more drawers that were, that were unfulfilled, that were, that were empty, that didn't have a person in it than there were ones that did. And I had that thought, and he said, yes, that's true. And I don't know why, but I, I felt this compassion. I felt this uh, sorrow at, at that. And I, I don't know why this is the question that popped in my head, but it just was, and I said it. And I said, then, then why do you keep dreaming? And he said, I never stop. I never lose hope. I never close the drawer until I have to. I'm going to switch to an, another subject, and then I'm going to pop back to this story real quick. I, um, I may have shared this here once before, but I, I realized a fundamental problem with Christianity when I was uh, five years old. <laughs> um, a little, little glitch in the system, if you, if you will. I was, um, my parents were, uh, we were a missionary family, so we moved in around Europe and different places and uh, did that, and you know, since after that, they were you know pastors and, and leaders and, and things like that my, my whole life. And um, I remember uh, we had moved to to uh, 
uh, Russia to be missionaries there was right after the, the fall of communism. And um, you know, they didn't have any television in English, so my grandfather, being the sweetest person on the planet, would like tape all the children's channels for me and my um, sisters and mail the, the VHSs to us so that we could watch, watch cartoons. Yeah, I had all the car commercials memorized and everything because it can only fit so much in a VHS. But anyway, um, and I remember being five or six years old sitting in front of the TV watching a, a cartoon that I liked at the time that was called Muppet Babies. Um, it was based on the Muppets, which probably more of you are familiar with, and it was like little kids' version of that that was animated. And I remember watching it, and I'm thinking, like, I really like this show. This show is super fun. I like watching it. They were, it was, you know, baby versions of the Muppets that were, like, in a nursery and just having fun imaginations about, like, going on adventures and cool stuff like that. And I remember just sitting there watching this, really liking it, and just feeling how much I liked this show. And then I had this thought pop in my head, like, okay, we're missionaries, we're out here, you know, spreading the gospel, we're, 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 what's our goal, what's our plan to, that the whole world would be saved, right? That, that's, the, that's the point, right? That would be the goal of, of being a missionary. Um, and then this thought struck my mind of, what, what would the Muppet Babies be about if the people who made the Muppet Babies were Christians? And like I said, you know, this is about little baby Muppets that were, um, you know, again, imagining like being a knight or being a, you know, explorer, things like that, and just doing all these fun things. And um, I sat there and thought, well, I guess if the people who made the Muppet Babies were Christians, I guess the Muppet Babies would be standing around and worshiping the whole time. <laughs> right? That's just what popped in my head. And then a, a feeling of dread creeped up in my chest because I realized that that would be very boring to watch. <laughs> and I felt this uh, deep, uh, deep uh, split in my very small heart of, I <laughs> this is literally the thought that I had, was I hope the people who make the Muppet Babies get saved last <laughs> so that... <laughs> So that the show is still good <laughs> for as long as possible. <laughs> this is my six-year-old logic on how to do this. Um, and so I, I didn't know what to do with that, so I just left that in the back of my mind for until now. No, um, I. But looking back now and having seen what God does, some now and having seen what I believe God wants to do through his church, through his people in the earth, I, I realize what was wrong with what I was seeing back then. See, I grew up in, in church, and I, I we, we were experiencing amazing things when we moved to Russia. We, Again, I think I talked about a little bit a couple of days ago. We'd pray for people not even intending to pray for healing, and they'd get healed. You know, We'd baptize people not even believing in speaking in tongues, and they'd come out speaking in tongues for some reason, you know, that we were, we were experiencing what I now would probably define as revival in that area. People were getting saved uh, tons and tons and tons, you know, in, in, in droves at, at this time. And so I had a decent picture of what revival looked like in a church, a decent picture but I had no idea what revival looked like in a children's Saturday morning cartoon show. 
which may sound silly or maybe to some might sound petty. But the truth is, is that if we think revival, if we think the manifest presence of a God, if we think the fulfillment of, of the gospel on the earth, the perpetuation of the gospel on the earth, just looks like what a really good Sunday morning looks like, then we have an extremely limited view of the magnitude of what God wants to do on the earth. I realized that I, I, again, I just didn't know what revival looked like there, so I couldn't picture anything that wouldn't be boring. And beyond, I'm not going to make you raise your hand because maybe this is a little bit embarrassing, but how many of you at some point in your life, whether you're young or old, you know, we're thinking about heaven and everyone's telling you it's awesome and so cool and you know, oh, we just worship God all the time. Some of you at some point thought, oh no, that, doesn't, that may not be the most exciting thing ever. <laughs> some of you are giving me a very stern look. Some of you are giving me a little smirk, so I, I know who's who. But um, <laughs> the, That's because we have a limited perspective, perspective of what it looks like to worship God, an excruciatingly small perspective of what it looks like to worship our God. There is a reason that the angels that have been surrounding that throne again continually and earnestly say, holy, 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 holy. We're in a really unique time in our human history where the ability to communicate with people is, is so much more, has, has such... Um, I don't even know the way to calculate the, com the, the rapidity, the, the um, reachability, the clarity with which people can communicate at different points across the earth all at the same time compared to 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, let alone Jesus' time. If you wanted to get a message to someone in Jesus' time, you had to walk over there and tell them. <laughs> I could send a message to 1,400 people right now in a second. <laughs> the, the need for every, the, the, let me put it this way, the manifested authority of every single human being on the planet is rapidly rising. The ability to communicate, the ability to release whatever, anything, good, bad, or somewhere in between, is rising greatly. And there's lots of challenge that comes with that, but also I see there's tremendous opportunity for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. I stood there in my driveway with my... With my kids completely and totally baffled at the magnitude of thought, of intention, of purposefulness that God has put into every single square inch of this planet, into every single moment of our history, into every single step of our lives, how much opportunity, how much hope he has put into every single one of our lives. And I would be desperately sad if any one of us missed out on any of that because we did not know that he was putting that much significance on our existence. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I, there's lots of th- factors that go into this. There's two main ones that, that, that I see. One is either that just not believing that our life has significance or has meaning or that God has put, put any, any purpose behind it whatsoever. Um, if, if that's you, Ollie, bye, April, love you. <laughs> Sybil needs a snack probably. <laughs> um, that we don't believe or that we don't feel that our life could be significant, that we could be of, of effect, that we could do anything meaningful with what we have or where we're at. Um, the, the other factor that I see very consistently is that we, like myself or at many points in my life, have a very specific picture of what it looks like to serve God, what it looks like to perpetuate his kingdom, what it looks like to release his kingdom on the earth that is so narrow that it doesn't include anything that we can reach out and touch, anything that we could actually put our hands to, or at least it feels that way. I feel that we're coming into a season where there's an opportunity for every single Christian on this planet to recognize that they have been called into full-time ministry as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ on this planet. That does not mean that as it might evoke in, in uh, used to invoke in my mind that every single one of us are standing on every single street corner around the world and, and preaching to a crowd. That probably will be true for some people but that's just one way that revival can look on a street corner. I don't know what revival looks like yet in the boardroom of a Fortune 500 company, but God has a dream for it. I don't know what revival looks like in Hollywood, in in all the movies and all the shows and all of the media that comes out, but God is dreaming about it right now. There is a drawer that is open waiting for the people who are carrying the manifest presence of God into their life to throw themselves into the calling that God has for them to release his goodness, his glory, and his presence into every corner of this planet. I do not know, I I maybe have a few pictures of revival can look like on a college campus in a school, but there are still so many layers. There there is glory that he wants to release relationally in our our schools. There's glory that he wants to release systematically with how we run our schools. There is glory that he wants to release on every student, every teacher, and every layer of education. And he is dreaming about it right now as we speak, standing there with the door open, saying, who will come and jump in? So as I was having this vision, I I talked to him about a lot of things. But one of the things I asked was, what do I do? (laughs) What do I do? Because it was honestly overwhelming, (laughs) you know, because there's so many and so many opportunities, so many directions, so many things to do. And he looked at me and he said, learn how to dream with me. Learn how to dream with me. So 
So one thing that he's had me do as I've traveled around since I had that vision was he said, he told me to look at what's going on in the graveyard of dreams wherever I go, because as I said, it's covered now every place that I've been. And when I came here, I thought, all right, let's see what's going on. And the first night I was, um, yeah, the first night I was standing here during worship, and I looked, and I saw the Lord again, and I saw his hand on the drawer that represented this church. And I saw him holding the drawer open. And as I looked, I saw hundreds of lights coming in and hundreds of lights coming out. And all the lights that came in were just different shades of kind of like this yellow, yellow to white sort of light that we have. And all the lights that came out were all different kinds of colors and going in all different kinds of directions. I believe that as a church that God is equipping you to equip his children to go release his gospel in every layer of society. Which sounds like a big crazy thing, but I feel like he's ready to equip you and anoint you to do it. To release people to bring revival in areas that we have no model what the, the, the church has no model whatsoever for what revival looks like yet. And whether this is your home church or not, I believe that God is inviting us into a brand new level of recognizing the dreams that he is calling us to, the, the dreams that he has for our life, for the lives of people around us, for the region that we're in, for the church that we attend, for the, for the areas in life that we're called to. And he's calling us into a new level of honoring the dreams that others are carrying out. And recognizing that even if the dream that someone else is carrying out looks different than the one that I'm called to carry out, that it is not more or less significant because it is a dream of God being made manifest on the earth. Mm. So what I want to do um, right now is I felt like God wanted to just release the ability to dream. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for everyone. And then we're going to do something kind of fun. Um, just kind of fun. <laughs> um, I'm going to pray. And I want you guys to just lay back and I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to invite the voice of God to release you to dream. We just invite your presence into this place right now. We invite your voice. One thing I want to do before we go into this is I, I do want to take just a moment to, to repent a little bit. 
I want to be just real brief but clear that repentance isn't I'm such a horrible person. Repentance isn't let me, you know, let me unbutton my shirt so that you can whip my back. It is, it is not a punishment thing. It is not a demeaning thing. Repentance is God replacing one idea with another. God, repentance is recognizing that God has a superior reality to hand me, that he has a higher truth to hand me. So I don't, I don't need you to repeat this out loud, but just in your heart, especially if this just rings true for you, I want you to repeat it in your heart. And Lord, together right now, we just repent for believing that we're not a core part of your dreams. We repent for believing that we're not a central part of your plan. Lord, we repent for putting less significance on our own lives than you put on them. away any mindsets that would make us reject the dreams of God, mis misunderstand the dreams of God. We just wash away lies that might have been spoken by, by others that dishonored the dream that we were called to and caused us to see that dream as less valuable. That may have caused us to believe that that following God's dreams for art were less valuable than following God's dreams for ministry or traditional ministry anyway. Just wash away any lie that says that I'm not called to be a full-time minister. I may not be called to be a full-time minister in this model, in that model, or in that way, or in that way, but I am a child of God. It is in my DNA to be a minister of the gospel everywhere that I go, to release the good news of the kingdom of heaven, to reveal the kingdom that is at hand. Wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, and whomever I am with, Right now, I just release the grace to dream. The grace to hear what the Lord is saying. To the, the grace to hear what the Lord has always been saying. And as the dream, these dreams begin to flow, I just shoot out of the sky the, the lies that would say, well, it's too late now. <laughs> that is not how the redemptive plan of God works. <laughs> That is the enemy desperately scratching at the goodness of God that is being poured into your life. And we will not give it attention when the Lord's voice is present. I just release those dreams. I release those passions. I release those things that we care about. release people to dream big. I release people to dream small. God cares about the big things. He cares about the little things. 
cares about any kind of his goodness being released on the earth. He cares about his goodness being released over stadiums of people as they come to him for the first time. He cares about his goodness being released in the design of washers and bolts. <laughs> First record in scripture of the, the spirit of God coming upon someone. It was when he came upon the craftsmen who were designing the, the elements in the tabernacle. He cares about the little things. He cares about the big things. He wants his glory manifest in the little things because they are not little to him. foreign queen came to visit Solomon and recognized the glory of God in the way that his table was set. She was a queen. She was a dignitary. She had seen tables that were set well. She had seen tables that were set perfectly. It was not about it being perfect. It was not about it being the most pristine. It was about the goodness of God being manifested in something as small and simple as the way a table was set. has been birthing passions in you from a very young age. There have been things that you have been passionate about that you thought were distractions, that you thought were side things. God is passionate about the world of sports and athletics, and he wants to reveal what his glory looks like in those areas of life. God is passionate about the areas of, of literature, of writing. And he wants to reveal his glory in those areas. The Lord is passionate about every kindergarten, every preschool, every daycare, about every place that children are. He wants to reveal his glory in all of them. passionate about music. He wants his glory to be revealed in the top 40 charts just as much as he wants his glory to be revealed with someone who plays guitar in their room by themselves. I just break the lies off people who didn't learn an instrument because they thought, oh, I'm not going to do anything with that, so I don't really need to do that. If there is passion in your heart to do it, that is a passion that was placed there by the Lord. I'm not saying that our passions or the things that we like or the things that we like to do can't be selfish or can't be led this way or that way or into an unhealthy area, what I'm saying is that they can be guided by the goodness of God into something that reveals his glory. There is no place that you go, there is no thing that you do that 
God does not want to reveal his glory through. That does not mean that you are just overwhelmed by his presence in those areas. It means that you are manifesting his kingdom, his glory, his goodness in every single one of them. Listen to what he says. Listen to the passions that he brings up. Listen to the, to the things that you love to do as a child, as a teenager, that he's highlighting again. to do that you wonder well, how can that possibly use for anything good how can God use me sitting alone me sitting alone in my room reading a book how could that be of any help to anyone it's because when the things that you love to do are in partnership with and being led by the goodness of God then even if you are by yourself and he is building things in you that will bless others he is building peace in you that will bless others. He's building rest in you that will bless others. He is opening your mind to ideas, to revelation, to breakthrough that will free others. So much of my life is, is stuff that I don't like to do. I don't like my job. I don't want to say this out loud, but I feel, I feel so stressed at home with my kids that I don't, I don't even feel good there. God is releasing his goodness into those areas and even if you're in a job that you don't like follow his goodness and release it there and you will be pulled towards your place of destiny you know I need to look at the life of Joseph for a few minutes to, to watch that happen in a man's life where he was in prison and him releasing God's goodness in prison led to him being the second in command of all of Egypt experiencing pain with, uh, I don't know how to feel peace at home with my kids. I don't know how to feel peace in my marriage right now. This doesn't feel like God's goodness is glory. God has dreams for your marriage. He has dreams for your relationship with your kids. He has dreams for your relationship with your family. All you have to do is to say, Lord, teach me how to manifest your goodness, and you will watch that goodness be released through you into those situations. 
and begin to change you and begin to change your environment. get together and play cards. He has dreams for what revival looks like for long walks in the park. He has dreams for what revival looks like working at a fast food restaurant. I was working at a job. I was volunteering at the church and working a, working a side job that I was not a super fan of. I was doing business-to-business sales. I was not very good at it. It was a really impre- oppressive environment. The uh, way that we were paid as salespeople changed um, frequently. The company was really unstable. But everyone in that department was just committed to doing their best and to serving the company, even though at times it felt like the company wasn't serving us very well. And I watched every single person who was in that department after the company went under move on to a dream job of some kind. I finished my first book right afterwards friend of mine opened a business that he'd been dreaming about his whole life. Another friend of mine got hired on into a similar position that was, which is what his passion was, but was much, um, much better. And another one started a consulting business. Even in the midst of challenge, when we try to manifest the goodness of God to the best of our ability, we're not going to do it perfect every day. We're not going to have the perfect attitude every day, but if we have that compass inside ourselves that every time we drift from his goodness says okay what direction was that again how do I do this again just listen to his voice for a minute and I just want to release you into one more thing
last thing that I feel like the Lord is doing today is, and I feel like it's in partnership with what he's doing in this church and the grace that's on this church and the grace that's growing on this church right now is I feel like he is launching people in to the dreams that he has for their lives. Does that mean it's going to all happen tomorrow? Not necessarily, but it means that he is anointing you to begin a journey into the dreams that he has for your life, into the dreams that he has for your region, into the dream that he has for your family, and the dreams that he has for your area of passion. And the picture that I had in my mind for how he wanted to do this was just seeing the, um, the seven mountains of societal influence. I'll just list those real quick so you can be thinking about this. But I want to challenge you guys today. I can't force you to do anything. But I want you to pick at least one of these. Some of you might be called to multiple. But I'm going to have you guys come up one at a time, or one group at a time, rather. And I'm just going to pray over you and release you into that area of influence as a person who is carrying the dreams of God. As I list these out and as I call you up, I don't want, this isn't, doesn't mean, oh, I already have a job in this area. This doesn't mean that, well, I'm going to even necessarily pursue a career in this area. This is, my heart burns for this area. I have passion for this area. Even if I am standing on the side and interceding for this area, then that, that is beautiful because this is about have, carrying the Lord's passion for these areas of the world. Does that make sense? So if you come up for all of them, then that's great. And if you just come up for, for one or two of them, that's great. But I would like everyone in this room to come up for at least one. It doesn't matter if in a week you're like, oh, man, I really meant the other one. That's, that's fine. This is about just partnering with something that God's doing. Does that, does that make sense? Um, I'm going to ask my Bassam team to come up and pray, pray with me. And if... Um, yeah, Bassam team, if you guys could... Actually, let's go do this. Uh, if you could line up right here. I'm just going to pray. I just want you guys to, as these, as these people come up, just lay hands on them and bless them and just release, release them into this. So I'm going to read all these out so you can kind of think ahead. But number one is, is religion, which is not just the church, but also ministering to other religions, ministering to diff different people groups in this, in this area. And so, yeah, religion, family, this could be wanting to build healthy marriages, healthy kids, healthy, healthy family connections or just having a real passion in yourself for your own family, for being dedicated to your own family and, and, and ministering to them and through them and with them. The next one is education. If you want to, the, the, and this is, again, this is not just schools. This is the equipping of people. This is the raising up of children. This is the, this is the preparation for people, for their role in life, for their area of influence in life. So again, these are, these are bigger than just schools or colleges or things like that. Um, the next one, next one is government, is how, how we, again, go, going bigger than just politics or, or things like that, that this is us choosing how we govern ourselves and how the way we govern ourselves and how we govern our society to make it look like the kingdom of God. So that's an area of passion or purpose. And there's, that. there's media. This is how we communicate to one another. This is how we reveal the truth, hopefully, to one another. Um, this, is, this is about how we... Um, reveal what's going on in the world and where the world is at. Arts and entertainment, again, this isn't just movies, this isn't just Hollywood, this is creative expression. This is 
revealing God's glory through the through creativity, through beauty, through um, art. This can kind of merge with media a little bit. The last one is business. This is this is the perpetuation and growth and and um, the creation of abundance in society. You know, this isn't just, well, I want to make a million dollars. You know, this, this is, I want to have a hand in how the world, how, how the manifestation of these dreams happen, the gears that, that spread them out to others, that, that release them to the world, that perpetuate them and grow them. Does that make sense? So if any of those areas, I'm going to call them up one at a time, and I'm just going to take a couple minutes, and if, if, if when you come up, you can come up somewhat quickly, that'd be helpful just because I want to get through, get through all of these. And if you would, um, just real quick, just put a hand over your heart. Lord, we just ask right now that you reveal our hearts to us. This isn't about whether I think I could make it in that area. This isn't about whether I think that I... I should have a position in that area. This is about where is my passion? What am I thinking about? What do I care about? What do I want? What what do I hunger? What areas do I hunger to see God's glory in? I release those to rise to the surface. And right now, and this is an interesting counterpoint, I just release the permission and grace to care about one area more than the other, to recognize that it's okay if I'm not as passionate about one area as I am another, that God has designed us for focus. He's designed us to, to rush in as, as the tip of a spear. I, so I just release that clarity, that I don't feel obligated to be passionate about every area of society, that I recognize the one, two, three, or, or however many places that I feel a genuine burning passion in my heart to see God's glory released in those areas. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus or you've known about him but been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize, and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day, and help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. 
We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.